Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, north of Indianapolis, a very short distance. And it's a beautiful day here in Fishers. It's cold. It's about 25 degrees. And uh, again, December the 1st, approaching Christmas and uh, Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas to all the listeners. And also, um, we uh, are getting ready to uh, just kind of uh, enjoy our Christmas break, right? Everybody out there, all you teachers, ah, boy, we get a break, right? So, all right, I know you're all happy about that. Now, today we have a great guest for you, a French professor, and uh, and her name is um, Kristen Wazaleski, and uh, I think I pronounced that pretty well. And Chris, yes, Kristen liked the pronunciation. All right. She's down in Franklin College, or Franklin College in Franklin, Indiana, south of Indianapolis Ways. And uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, Kristen comes from us from uh, Franklin College, French professor, been a French professor there for a long time. And uh, she's going to talk to us today. She's a very creative teacher, so we're delighted she's on our show. And uh, not only that, but uh, she is just won in early November the uh, Indiana Foreign Language Teacher of the Year Award for the Outstanding College Professor in French and uh, at the university level, right? Yes. Okay. Did I get all the awards you got? Is that was there another? Yes, one? yes. Thank you, Tom. Okay. That's very nice. All Merci right. beaucoup. Okay, and thank you for being on the show. It's a big honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. One of the great French teachers in Indiana. Um, now let's talk for a minute, Kristen, about um, uh, you're teaching at Franklin. You've been there. How many years have you been there now? Uh, since winter of two thousand three. Wow, twenty years. Whoa. Yes. Time yes, is a flying. Twenty years. Wow. So and so and your husband. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mm-hmm. think I'm right. Is a professor of English. At Franklin yes. College, right? Yes. And isn't he yes. an, isn't he an expert on Shakespeare? He is. See, yes. I, I Richard re- Arable, he teaches uh, English, and so he teaches composition. He teaches Shakespeare classes, uh, world literature, and 18th century literature. And can you tell the listeners what you're doing in December <laughs> and later in December here, but on your. Uh, this is called the, what is it called at Franklin College? The fall? Uh, it's called Immersive Term, and that takes place during January. In January. So it's January, yes. and you're going to be going to France, correct? Yes. With yes. 15 students. Wow. 15 yes. students. And your husband, right? Yes. Yes. So can you tell the listeners where you're going to be and when that's going to be? Sure. So we are actually taking 18, Tom, three more. 18 students to Paris for three days. We are leaving December 27th, and we'll be staying in Paris for three nights, showing them all the sites and teaching them how to use the metro, which is the subway system. And then we are going down south to Montpellier, where we will stay for three weeks. And the students have an option of either studying uh, French in an immersive program that meets five days a week from 9 a.m. to 12 noon, or they can take a class in English with my husband, Professor Arable, about French cuisine. Boy, wow. 
What a neat trip that's going to be. Okay. Yes, we now, are so excited. Now that's what and it, Tom, yeah. sorry, guess what else we're going to be doing? What? Okay, so we are going to have a cooking lesson. Oh, wow. So each student, yes, so each student will take a cooking lesson in French, and I will be there as a translator to help those, you know, whose French is not as strong. And so they will learn how to make um, a certain, you know, recipe, French recipe, a recipe of French cuisine, mm -hmm. and then afterwards we get to eat it. So it's very exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. That's going to be a great time. Un it will be unforgettable, right? And so yes. what about, um, let's talk a minute about how that fits in at Franklin College. For the listeners, Franklin College is a great, great liberal arts college, and it's mm -hmm. uh, located in Franklin, Indiana. Small college, mm -hmm. a beautiful campus. Put a plug in for Franklin. Just a beautiful college. And uh, great, great emphasis on on the humanities and uh, in the arts, right? And uh, yes. and so it's, it's, and it's so neat what you guys do. And especially, I like that immersion, uh, the winter immersion program, because what it's short, right? Like two weeks or yes. so? Yes. It's, um, it's about three and a half weeks. Okay. And so it starts at the beginning of January, and it runs through about January 20th or so. Mm -hmm. So the students have about three or four weeks mm -hmm. to be immersed in a particular uh, subject area and they can take a class on campus or they can study abroad. Okay. So we have many different courses this coming January. So listen to all these options for these kids, Tom. So these kids can go to Guatemala, wow. right? Mm -hmm. And study Spanish um, or Guatemalan culture, mm -hmm. right? They can go to France and study French wow. or French cuisine in English. They can go to Morocco and Spain. They can go to uh, England and Scotland. I'm trying to remember where the other courses go. Uh, there might be a course to Japan. I know we have okay. so many courses this year. And then we also have domestic courses. So there's a course that takes students to uh, Disney World, right? Okay. Looking at mathematics through the lens of Disney. Oh, for goodness sake. Yes, isn't that neat? That is neat. So yes, yeah. So every year we have you know a certain number of courses that take students abroad, and a certain number of courses that they would um, take um, and travel in the United States. We also have a model UN, and the students study on campus um, during the January term, mm -hmm. and then they actually go to New York and perform at the model UN. Um, during spring break in March. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and that's the value, again, of a small college and heavy mm -hmm. focus, again, on the humanities and, and, uh, and the arts. And, and it's, it's nice to know that they're still here, right? You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we think, well, you know, there aren't a lot of liberal arts colleges. There are a lot of great liberal arts colleges mm -hmm. still in this country, and we're very lucky that that's, uh, you guys are down there doing that great job. Uh, teaching down at Franklin. Uh, now, let's talk about um, where you taught at. Now, most have you been to pl other places besides Franklin, or was that your first? Yes. Okay. Yes, I I started out teaching at the high school level. Okay. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was certified to teach grades six through twelve, and so I did that for the first three years. 
uh, for the very first year, I was actually an in-house substitute. So that was my baptism by fire. And I taught, you know, many different subjects. I think I taught Spanish for a month. I taught mathematics. I taught wherever they needed me in one particular school on the south side of Milwaukee. And then uh, now you got your doctorate at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, right? Yes. So I taught at the high school level for three years. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school to get my master's and my PhD in French literature. So I went back to school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I decided to specialize in 16th century literature. So that was really fun and very different now, and who, challenging. Who are, the, <laughs> who are the great writers in France in that time? So we have Montaigne, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Michel de Montaigne. And... Um, there are so many different uh, English professors who mm-hmm. study his works, right? He wrote the essays, mm-hmm. right? And so there are so many different English teachers who study his works with their students in English, right? Okay. I mean, he's one of the most famous uh, 16th century French writers. So mm-hmm. Michel de Montaigne. Um, there's also Rabelais, François Rabelais. His writings were very humorous. Uh, he was criticizing the Catholic Church of the time which is not surprising, right, given that it was the 16th century. (laughs) So he poked a lot of fun at the Catholic Church and got in a lot of trouble. Now, so what about your dissertation? Who was that? What was that about? Yes. Okay, so my dissertation, I can actually show you a picture of the author. Would you like to see a picture? Sure. Okay, let me go get it. Okay, Tom, here she is. Okay, uh-huh. So this is Marguerite de Navarre. Mm-hmm. She was a very important figure of the 16th century in France because she was sister to the king, mm-hmm. Francis I, mm-hmm. and he was known as a big patron of the arts. Hmm. So he wanted to turn um, France into um, another version of Italy. So he was a big patron of the arts. He loved Leonardo da Vinci, mm-hmm. um, took care of uh, Leonardo da Vinci in his old age. Um, he stayed in one of François mm-hmm. Ier's uh, chateaux. Okay. And um, so he was a big patron of the arts. But, you know, at the time, the Catholic Church was incredibly um, strong and uh, corrupt, right? Yes. So there were lots of problems. Um, and he had to um, he had to be careful because while he and his sister wanted to protect the artists and protect you know artist expression and freedom of expression at the time that wasn't really allowed. Okay. So so he was a very important figure, and Marguerite de Navarre was his sister, mm-hmm. and she was one of the few highly educated women at the time. Okay. And she was very she was very funny and very witty. So my dissertation was all about um, the complicated use of humor by women. Mm. During the 16th century, women were not educated, right? Right. So the only women who were educated were courtesans. For goodness sake. Right? So the problem is that intelligent women um, 
we're expected to be witty at court, right? We're expected mm-hmm. to be funny, right. and ex- we're expected to come up with very, you know, sarcastic, witty repartee. Uh-huh. Um, but of course, their honor, um, as um, their honor as tra- chaste women, was suspect, right? Mm-hmm. So my dissertation was all about female use of humor in Marguerite de Navarre's text, which was called the Heptameron. And the Heptameron um, was written as a, uh, an imitation of sorts of um, Boccaccio's De Camerone, um, which was a series of 100 stories um, written over 10, you know, recounted over 10 days. Mm-hmm. So it was a frame narrative, and so the whole point of the text was that there were um, there was a circle of courtiers and court ladies together in the mountains telling each other stories, okay. and of course in Boccaccio's text, women were portrayed as very lewd and lascivious. Um, if they were intelligent, it was only at the cost of their virtue, right? Mm-hmm. And so Marguerite de Navarre, in my opinion, uh, chose to rewrite that representation of women. And in her text, women are intelligent and witty and hilarious Mm -hmm. and sarcastic, but they are also chaste Mm -hmm. and um, they are also, you know, following the uh, models of decorum for Mm -hmm. the time when it comes to sexuality. Well said. Beautiful. Okay. Now we're going to switch over a little bit. Uh, two, um, my next question is, uh, have you, you've, you've lived in France, right? A while. Um, I lived in France when I was there for my senior year abroad. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you spent and a I, year where in Paris? In, uh, no, I visited Paris, mm-hmm. but I was living in Aix-en-Provence, okay. which is in Southern France. Okay. And, uh, the, uh, Award that you got, um, the IFLTA College of Professor of the Year. Uh, were you surprised you got that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's quite yes. an honor. I'm again, congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. Now, uh, so your family, uh, your folks are still around, right? Alive, your folks? Uh, no, unfortunately, my father passed when oh. I was 18 years old. Okay, so yes. okay, so most of your your immediate family then is here, right? Pretty much. Uh, my mother is in Wisconsin uh-huh. because I am originally from Wisconsin, from the suburbs of Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and so my mother and my sister are still in Wisconsin, and uh, my younger sister is out in Colorado, actually in Colorado Springs. Okay. So I don't have any family in Indiana, Tom. Okay. So you got to yes. be traveling, right? You gotta, yes, so I uh, always have to travel, yeah. yes. But what, yes. N- nice places to visit, especially Colorado yes. Springs, right? Absolutely, um, so absolutely. Now, did, um, let's talk a little bit about world language professional organizations. Why is it important that teachers should belong to professional organizations? I think it's really important that modern language teachers stick together. Um, I can tell you as the only French professor at Franklin College, it can be very lonely. Um, 
I mean, I love the Spanish professors I work with here. We have a lot of fun together. We exchange lots of ideas. And so, you know, I really, I really do um, enjoy going to them for support. Um, but it can be a little lonely sometimes teaching language um, because you are always trying to remind people of how important it is to speak a language. Uh, but it's challenging, right? It's very challenging. Um, it can be very difficult to learn a language, especially if, you know, you're 18 years old already. Um, so it's really important for teachers to join these organizations and support them financially because um, we need as much advocacy as we can get. Yes. Well, and I think it's Im important that we support each other because so many of us are alone in small programs, right, in, in some of the yes, languages, yes. right, like French and German. Um, and so it's really important that we meet each other, that we're there to support each other, come up with good ideas. Um, I know I love to go to the conferences because I get to meet different, you know, professors of all different languages. And even if, you know, you teach a different language from me, we can still, um, you know, share ideas and, and, and come up with creative yeah. ways to teach. And it's important and so, to socialize, right? Yes, for, it's important for to socialize. The really socialization, important. yeah, it's a very important professionally to socialize, to be at the conferences, talk about mm -hmm. new methods, what's happening in the profession, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, totally wonderful. Um, yes. Well said. Now, what countries have you liked the most in, in, that you visited? Which countries do you like the most? Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, France is my favorite. I can't help it. Um, the French get such a bad rap, Tom, it's so unfair. So they are very reserved. They don't talk to strangers willingly. And it's not because they don't like Americans. They just don't talk to strangers unless something funny happens and then you can laugh together, right? So the most important thing you can do when you go to France is use a little bit of French. And the more that you can just, you know, learn like, good morning, ma'am, you know, thank you, sir. If you just know like 10 words in French, they will treat you like a king or a queen because you cared to learn the, you know, those 10 words. Yes. So you know how like in Indiana, the big, beautiful smile opens doors for you, right? Everyone loves a big, beautiful smile in the United States. That's how you make people feel welcome. Yes. Well, in France, the way you make people feel welcome is by using your manners and your, your manners in the form of words. You know, good morning, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Um, that's how you impress people and make them feel important. Yes. So you have to know that when you go there. And if you do that, I mean, you will have a wonderful visit. Yes. And it, it, as you said, just to make the effort to speak a language and to try to say things. It doesn't have to be perfect, but at least exactly. show the people you're interested in love their, their culture and language. Uh, that happened to me in... Uh, uh, where was I at? Uh, in Paris. I, my first oh. time in Paris, and I had taken French in graduate school, a reading course, that's all. And okay. uh, so I wrote 35 expressions down I was going to use in Paris. And I, <laughs> I can read French. I can read French fairly well. Okay. Fairly well. And understand a little bit what's spoken. And uh, But I can't say much. So I had my 35 expressions in Paris. I had a ball. And the people were so nice to me, just exactly what you said. And it corroborates exactly what you just said, that uh, I went over there thinking, boy, they're going to not like me. You know, I'm, 
you know, I don't know the language, you know, but I had those 35 sentences, and I carried my pocket, my, and unfortunately, we didn't have all the electronics in those days, and so I had it in my pocket, and I just pulled it out before I started my day, and I remembered I, I want, and, you know, how are yeah. you, and I want this, I would prefer having this, and so yeah. uh, we got, in, so one morning, uh, Jill and I were in, uh, my wife Jill, we were in uh, Montmartre, and we had gone through the uh, Dali Museum, and uh, yeah, and so after that we went to lunch, and uh, we came upon this little cafe, and and we sat outside, and this waiter came up, and I said, "Je voudrais," and then I had my list of foods, and I read off the things "Je voudrais," and he just flipped out. The guy was so kind. I mean, he was. <laughs> he, I could have done anything after that, but it's just because I said oh. I I would like, you know. And he was going, "Oh my God, he's trying, right?" And, uh, yeah, he was so yeah, impressed with yeah. you, Tom. But anyway, as the the week went on, two or three days later, the the uh, battery in my watch went out. So we were staying in this neighborhood with Jill's sister and her husband. They were living in Paris. So we were Ooh. like we were like four blocks from the Louvre, four or five blocks. We were close. Ooh. It was a beautiful location. It was just magnificent, very centric to everything, and so. Uh, my wa- the the battery went out, and so Jill's walking with me. We're walking down, and it's all French in the neighborhood. So I s- see this hardware store, and yeah. I figured out that from you know there's some. I thought there was some similarity maybe with Spanish. Can't remember the word. And so I walked in, and I and I figured they might have it, which they did. And I said, "Je voudrais," and I said, "I," and I couldn't think of it. And I said, and I started pointing toward my watch. You know, and yeah. he, he says, "Pil, pil, pil." Yeah. And that was the word for battery, right? Well, it's pila in yeah. Spanish. It's pila. So oh, it's close. Good. It's very close. But I didn't say pila, but he did. And he got the biggest <laughs> kick out of that because I tried to get my back. And actually, I said, how much in French? And I told him, thank you and all this. And he again, Aww. again, if you make the effort, you know, it's, yes. every, it's everything, right? And they really yes. treat you nice. Yes. And we never had one bit of trouble. They were the nicest people in the world. I swear, you know, and we pillow with our French, you know. But, uh, you know, dabble here, dabble there. And they loved it, you know. And yes. it's just what you said. It's a shame we can't have courses in college even, or yes. high school, where we we do just teach, you know, things that you survive with. Survive, yes. We used to call it survivable Spanish, remember? <laughs> Years back, yes. there were courses. Yes. There were yes. courses like that. And we kind of gotten, yes. we've gotten away from that now. Uh, yes. Of course, there's less need of it with a Google Translator, right? Uh, right. Because... I mean, you could act, you could actually now with a Google Translator, you could speak English and then you have your translator on, and you could. <laughs> I mean, but again, if you do that, they would like that though because yes, they take, would love it. They, they would, would say, "Oh wow, yeah, you're she take, really cares." She cares, you know? yes. Um, now back to the um, uh, teaching techniques. What do you think the best technique is for teaching world languages? I mean, what techniques would you techniques would you use, suggest? You know, trying to get the students involved, trying to use a visual, like for example, Tom, right now I'm teaching students about food, which I love this topic anyway, um, but the lesson is partitive um, articles, okay? So like not a whole pizza, but like a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Not a whole cake, but like a part of it. So whatever I, whenever I have to teach this lesson, 
I want to make it very engaging and active for the students. Mm -hmm. So I always bring um, my Toblerone chocolate. Mm -hmm. So do you know Toblerone chocolate? How it's that long line of chocolate, <laughs> I had several right? of those when I was there. Yes. Okay. I remember those. So you have like these triangles, these mini mountains yes. of chocolate that are all connected, right? Yes. So, so the question I ask the students is, you know, in, in, in French, of course, would you like a whole Toblerone? or some of a Toblerone, right? So then the students have to decide whether they're gonna pick the whole Toblerone or just part of a Toblerone. And so they have to you know, break off a piece of chocolate right, if they just right. want a part of it. If they want the whole one, they get the box. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, that's so, beautiful. So I did that today, so that, that's very fun. So I just try to make it as engaging as I can with visuals. And then I also had another question I asked them was, you know, would you like a whole apple tart uh -huh. or part of an apple tart, right? So I had a picture of a, a French tart from Bon Appetit magazine, and then I cut a triangle out of it. So I asked them, you know, I showed them the whole tart. Would you like a whole tart? And then I ripped off, you know, my little triangle or part of the tart. So, and the students love that. So, of course, if they wanted part of it, I gave them just the little triangle. If they wanted the whole thing, I gave them the whole thing. And so, of course, I had to teach them how to say, you know, um, I'm a piggy or I'm not a piggy because there's a very cute word in French for that. And um, so the, the, the French will tease you if you really like something, you know, if you really like right, to eat or right. drink something. Because, you know, they don't get it that their cuisine is so good. We don't have that, right. right? They just don't get it. So I taught them how to say that, and they really like that. So to say I'm a piggy in French is je suis gourmand. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. That's, so, but you, you do a lot of real, realia stuff, right? To your yes. Live yes. stuff. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Now, um, what about the, the comprehensible input? You know, the CI business, which is really popular at the moment. And yes. we used to call that total immersion, I think. Now yeah. it's called CI. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's a similar operation, you know. But uh, is, is um, do you think that's always doable? You know, I try to do it as much as I can. Like I said, yes. I think the students really need visuals. Yes. So it's like if they're learning vocabulary, it's like I'm always trying to show them a picture, whether, right. you know, it's like a color transparency right. or making them look in the book or whatever it is. It's like if you're learning vocabulary and I can show you a picture of it, I will. Well, because and... it really helps you to learn when you can yes. see and hear. So even the PowerPoints, even though, you know, the te yes. technology is not new, but they're still popular, right? The PowerPoints. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. the PowerPoints are still decent, yes. good stuff. Yes, they, they need to be able to see it because, yes. or they need to be able to draw it, right? Yes. Because, because then you're involving all the senses. You're yes. not just involving, you know, type, typeset or right, print. Right, right, right. You're involving color. You're involving... Yes. Um, you know, shape, yes. and all of that affects whether or not they are able to, you know, learn the word right. and, and kind of get used to using it, get used to recognizing it. Yes. And so something else I like to do when I'm teaching clothing is I make the students stand up and do like a, a fashion show. 
Yes. So I asked. Those I are my fun, students, aren't they? Like, yeah, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's so funny because I have so many students who show up in pajamas in this class. I don't know what it is. So I was teasing them. I said, well, you better at least put on your best pajamas. And, and they even wear slippers to class. So they learn the words for slippers, pajamas. And then I said, okay, so if you wear real clothes to class, I will give you an extra point towards your next test. If you come up in front of the class and you let us, you know, you do the catwalk, I put on music. So I make them walk in front of the class. And then um, the other students describe what they're wearing and what colors. And then if they did that, then they got an extra point towards, you know, their chapter test. So that was very motivating to them. And a lot of them were willing to dress up, you know, no pajamas. So that was good. So the girls, I said, if you wear a dress or, you know, a suit coat or nice pants, anything besides pajamas, then you will get a point. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think you're bringing up here, though, too, is important. I'm going to kind of add to what you're saying here because it's it's really a great thing. Because you're talking about the fashion show. And the yes. fashion show is um, when we think about some of these things that we do, uh, we have to take time to do them, right? In other yes. words, I, I get back to the syllabus thing again. You know, yes. when we're if it's college teaching, it's a syllabus. If it's high school, it's yep. kind of a syllabus in disguise. But uh, yep. uh, but it's like, but we have to take time to do these little fun things, right? Yes. And I'm afraid exactly. sometimes we don't do enough of that. So I think I'm glad you exactly. said that because uh, to the listeners, take time to do the fun things, right? Yes. Take yes. time to do the fun things. I liked your extra credit points. I like that, and I think. Uh, I, I know a lot of my friends teaching many over the years had extra credit points, right? And, yes, uh, yes. For this or for that. But, you know, if, if it's meaningful, neat stuff, then uh, it's worth it, right? And, or yes, if it helps create, it. create an environment that makes learning more fun, then why not, right? Uh, exactly. I think we have to think of those things. Now, yes. let's go back uh, over to, again to, uh, we're back to this... Uh, how many languages do you speak? Now, you speak French and Spanish, right? French and Spanish, uh -huh. and then a little bit of Italian. I'm learning uh, Italian on Duolingo as much as, yeah. as well as I can. <laughs> well, but it's not bad, right? I mean, it's okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. And you know no. what, Tom? I feel like a kid. It's mm -hmm. so fun. I love Duolingo. You know, like, I have friends who play video games, and I don't like video games. But uh -huh. I love Duolingo. It is so fun. I feel like a kid when I'm playing it, right? I get points. I get, you know, prizes. I get, you know, all that stuff. So I think it's great. So I am going to try to find some way to encourage my students to play with Duolingo in French over January term. So wish me luck. Good. i got to come up with something good. Okay. Good idea. Beautiful. <laughs> all right. Now, rolling along. Um, so, how about a funny thing that happened to you teaching class? Do you ever have one thing you always remember? <laughs> Some that crazy, zany thing happened? Okay, I know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Okay. So, okay. So, when I was, I remember that I was teaching at the high school level, and I had a lot of Latino students in class, right? So, lots of students who spoke um 
who spoke Spanish at home, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so, but one thing you have to know is that I grew up speaking a little bit of Croatian, okay? okay? Because my mom is from Croatia, and she moved here when she was 18 in 1958, okay? Okay. So she grew up speaking Croatian, and then she learned English, of course. She moved here when she was 18. Right. So I know a little bit of Croatian, and I use terms, you know, to refer, like, to my aunt. My aunt mm -hmm. is Teta. She's never aunt. It's okay. Teta because okay. that's auntie in Croatian. And so I remember one day I was talking about, you know, Teta, Lu Teta Lucy, and I had, you know, all these pictures of her, and I had the, I had the Croatian word written down, and uh, <laughs> my Spanish students are laughing, laughing, laughing. I'm like, what's the big deal? They're laughing, laughing. So what does Teta mean, Tom? The damned, didn't you just say? Right, but I mean, what does it mean in Spanish? Oh, no, that's a, yes. It's another <laughs> thing, you know. <laughs> right, so it's a, it's a female body part, right? Yes, it is, it is, yes. Yes, so female body part. So I didn't know, and so, of course, these girls are laughing, they're giggling, giggling. I said, what's the big deal? Why are you laughing every time I say Teta? And so they finally told me, and I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so just this idea that languages, oh, yes. you know, I mean, in one language, a word means one thing. Right. And then in another language, it means something completely different. And it's so, it's so wonderful, and it's so fun to learn those things. Yes. Okay. Now, rolling along here. Um, what about uh, teaching culture? Obviously, it's very important. I think you've yes. touched on that somewhat. Uh, if you could highlight three sentences about the importance of studying culture, what would you say? Sure. I would say it makes it real for the students. You know, it's not just Madame who speaks French and who cares about, you know, speaking French. It's, you know, all of these other cultures who uh, speak French and um, these cultures are very, you know, different. North Africa, West Africa, right? Um, Quebecois, okay. right? So it's real, it exists, it's really important, and it makes it much more interesting and important for the students to learn the language. Yes, totally agree. Beautiful. Now, what's the state of world languages today? What, what's happened with it? What do you think? Well, I mean, it's even more important than ever to learn another language, right? Yes. Um, but unfortunately, I, I don't feel that... Um, students are receiving that message um, from other people, right, besides their language teachers. So that's a problem, right? I mean, we it's need a, other yeah. adults on board. We need administrators on board. We need math teachers on board. We need English teachers on board. We need everyone on board. And we need everyone to be educated about the importance of speaking a second or third language, not just the Spanish teachers and the French teachers and the German teachers and the other, yes. you know, modern and, language teachers. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up because it kind of ties into that creativity book I was mentioning to you uh, mm -hmm. that Deb and I did. But in that book, the, there's a lot about uh, teacher, uh, well, community involvement. There's a lot of stuff in the book about that, how to get the community involved, how to get the administration involved and what we're yes. trying to do. And I think if we start doing that, will solve a lot of these problems, you know? 
Yes. And that's a yes. beautiful point you brought up, just a magnificent point, because I think that's part of the major problem. It's a major problem. But if we can bring the community into language learning, uh, importance of studying, and we bring in the administration, we've done a lot, right? I mean, and, yes. and, and yes. the parents, all these things come into play. And in, 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 in the, the book, we did a lot on that. And I, I didn't mention that to you at the beginning before we started the show. But uh, it, it, it's, it's really you hit the nail on the head. I think that's part of the huge problem we have. We, we, we haven't put our resources where they ought to be. Uh, you know, we, we, we spend money hither and yon, but then we forget what we're, the obvious things, right? Right here right. Under, under our thumb, we have all these things we could be improving, right? So it's right. interesting you brought that up. It's a well thought of. It was beautiful. That that was amazing. I, I love that idea. Yeah, and, you know, and, and and different things about the state of the the profession. Uh, what makes a great world language teacher? What makes a great? I, I think someone who um, taps into his or her inner child. Yes. To be quite honest with you. And, and that's highly creative, as you are. You're very. Yes. By the way, very creative teacher. I say that yeah. very sincerely. You're a great creative teacher. Your creativity is beyond belief. And uh, and I've known you a while, and I know how creative you are. You are incredible. So that's a, a beautiful thing you have. Now, uh, so in uh, your all-time French favorite French student, who was that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, Tom, it's impossible to pick one because you know what? Everyone can be my favorite for a different reason. Yes. Well said. Everyone. Beautiful. Everyone. Yes. So, you know, I love I love my students so much. I don't care if they're earning A's or C's, you know. If you're trying, then you are my favorite student. Yes, beautiful. And and that's that's the name of the game, right? If you're trying. I mean, doesn't it make a difference when a student tries? I mean, it doesn't yes. have to be an A or B student or a C or D. And you're even an F student if they try, right? And, yes, uh, yes. And that's the, the beautiful thing about it. That's well said again. Uh, now, let's talk about technology for a minute. Uh, uh, where are we headed with technology? Do you see it as a 80-20, 80% time spent in classroom with technology, 20% live instruction, or 20% what I call it? humane humanity life interactive <laughs> instruction right or are we going to just be guided living by the screen right i yeah my little thing right now is i think we're too long on the screen right all of us yes not just yes. kids not the little kids not the old kids us i mean us i mean the teachers too we're all on yes. the computer we're on the, the ipad we're on this we're on that and it's astounding in the day and I asked my students the other day how many, how long they're on, the, on their on their screens, and they said seven or eight, ten hours a day. I mean, that's astounding, right? And then I know. even us. I mean, if you think about how long you're on the screen, you know, you're always on, checking your email, you're checking your for mess text messages, you're checking your yep. social media, you're checking this, you're checking, that, and it just dominates, right? I mean, yes. and up, up to what point are we going to say enough is enough? You know. I mean, and have to carve out this big chunk of life that we want to keep involved here, right? And not be looking at a screen, you know? And a a friend of mine told me the other day, he said, 
you know, my neck hurts, my back hurts. And I said, it's because yes. we're on the computer all the time and on these <laughs> screens. So yes. uh, do you agree with that at all? Do you see any? Yes, I do. And to be honest with you, I mean, I tell the students, you know, I'm not against phones. I love my phone. I'm sure I spend too much time on it. But when you come into my classroom, it is a cell-free zone unless I give you permission to look at your phone, to look up a word on word reference, you know, or I say, hey, look up this song or look up this picture of this French person, whoever it is, but put the phone down. And I said, let me explain to you why I'm not Mm anti-technology. I love my phone. I love everything I can do with my phone that I could never do before. However, Mm -hmm. we use the phone to hide and to go inside ourselves and we don't interact with people anymore and it's not good for us. Yes. So I say, when you come into my classroom, unless you're waiting for a call from your mom uh, because your grandfather is in the hospital, you will not be on your phone. You put it in your bag and I don't want to see it. Right. And I said, I said, even before class, starts I want I don't want you to be on your phone right why I want you to make friends I want you to talk to the people in front of you behind you next to you you know this is your time to make friends find somebody to study with you know ask him ask your ask the person behind you what did you do last night you know how was your Thanksgiving you know you're not going to make friends if you live on your phone yes good point excellent point now do you have any advice for the world language teachers today? How would you advise people wanting to be a teacher, uh, what they should do to prepare to be a teacher? Um, a world language say, teacher, yeah. I would say if you're preparing to be a world language teacher, immerse yourself in the culture while you are young as much as possible. So you wanna spend a summer there, a semester there, an academic year. Um, you want to spend as much time in that culture or, you know, in that culture that speaks the language that you're going to teach as possible, Good. as much as possible. So that when you teach it, you can tell your students, ah, the French don't really do that, you know, yes. or yes. Um, Africans don't really do that. Right. You want to yeah. be able to speak like an authority about a culture you know, for which that language is important. And you can't do that if you haven't lived over there or if you haven't traveled over there frequently. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're going to be a world language teacher, you have to travel extensively and live over there. And it's really expensive to do that. So what that means is you might only have one car in your household, Right, right? right? You might not have a TV. I mean, I'm just saying, right? I mean, we don't have a TV. We only have one car, right? My husband and I, that's the way it goes. My students can't believe it. I say, well, you know, I have my computer. I can watch Netflix on my computer. I don't need a TV. It's really expensive. Yeah. So they, they can't believe it. They're like, well, madame, what do you do with the money you save? I say, I travel. I go to <laughs> France. I go to see, you know, my sister. I go to see my niece. You know, I spend time with people. Yes. That's what I do with my money. I travel. Yes. I don't have, you know, my own car. I don't have yes. my own TV. Beautifully but, you know, said. Yeah, that's beautiful. I spend my money differently. Well said. Kristen, it has been a delight having you in the show. Your ideas are magnificent, and your creativity is mind-boggling. So 
as always, you just in your dynamism, enthusiasm, and your love of teaching is totally obvious. And I, again, thank you for being the show. It's a great honor to have you on our show, okay? And, uh, you're uh, very welcome. It was such a pleasure, Tom. Thank you for having me. Okay, and uh, uh, don't leave yet. I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay. Don't Don't that sign off good. yet, but I'll sign off with from the program here and we'll talk okay okay uh, okay again thank you okay listeners we will catch up with you later uh have a great great holiday season and i'll catch up with you in january okay everybody have a great not feliz navidad kristen's going to tell you uh, uh happy christmas merry new year right oui oui joyeux noël et bonne année 2023 Feliz Navidad y próspero año nuevo para los hispanohablantes. Okay. Okay, gracias de nuevo. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Au revoir.